Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. As we've said before, we are in the window when an invasion could begin at any time, should Vladimir Putin decide to order it. I will not comment on the details of our intelligence information, but I do want to be clear. It could begin during the Olympics. That is Jake Sullivan. Jake Sullivan, running point, if you will, for the Biden administration. Letting you know in the pressure that took place on Friday. His official title is National Security Advisor. In that pressure on Friday, oh yeah, the Russians are moving, the Russians are advancing. Things we had already been hearing about. They were putting more of a name to, but what they didn't say is when. They certainly did not get into a conversation of if there's anything the United States can do about it. However, we do have troops that have moved in the area. We do have troops that are now in Poland. What are we doing with these troops? What's the plan here? And never mind that, how do we get to here and what comes next? Because in order for there to be a plan, one has to believe that the Biden administration is willing to stop Russia from invading Ukraine. Do we believe that's the case? So since we do not believe that's the case, what is the plan? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now. Retired United States Army West Point graduate, military analyst, we reach out to him many times to break down what is going on here. You heard the, the words from Jake Sullivan on Friday. Every headline was, oh, this is eminent. Oh, this is happening. Oh, this it's go time. And here we are. Well, here we are on, on, on a uh, start of the week, and we don't have movement yet. So what are we waiting for? What are we waiting on? What is the latest? Well, Tony, it's good to see the military starting to plan for the worst possible case, at least um, from the perspective of uh, refugees that could happen in that part of the world. I think that we've given uh, into the fact that there's likely an invasion taking place, maybe within the next 48 hours. But by sending 3,000 troops to Poland in particular, we're looking to fend off and help the Polish government and what will could be millions of refugees crossing that border from Ukraine, from Belarus, in fact, as well over into Poland and perhaps into some of those other NATO countries there. They're not going to fight. They're going to you know, likely help with um, the, the non-evacuant com- combat uh, evacuations and the like to take place there. Because the dirty little secret is uh, we don't have everybody out of there right now. We had U.S. forces in there. Florida National Guard troops were training some of the Ukraine forces that were there. So um, other countries have pulled everything out. I think for all practical purposes – um, the clock is left, you know, it's going to run for the next 48 hours to see. Now, perhaps there'll be some kind of diplomatic um, intervention here. We're all looking for the historical analogy. You know, is it 1914? Is it 1938? Is it Munich? Is it appeasement? What, what is it? Is it is it Independence Day where all the ships are kind of lining up ready to go? Um, we just don't know. I, I don't think anything the Ukraine government's offered the Russians right now uh, enough to stop what they want to do, I think the question gets back to how much does Vladimir Putin want to destroy Ukraine? So I think he's going to have to destroy a great portion of it in order to take it and keep it. Well, let's take a step back in order to go to the step forward about what could be happening with an invasion in Ukraine. I've made the argument that I don't see uh, right now him going west of Kiev, but I could absolutely be wrong. 
we know a couple things about Vladimir Putin. We know that he is a guy who is a KGB agent through and through, who sees the collapse of the Soviet Union as a, as a horror and wants the the rebuilding, the reunifica- reunification of a greater Russia. We know that there are ethnic Russians, people who see themselves as ethnically Russian within Ukraine who don't mind this happening. Um, but when we talk about the purpose of taking uh, Ukraine or invading Ukraine, is the purpose about land is the purpose about population and is the desire in this conversation of invasion to take Kiev and points west up into the Polish border? No, I think it is. I think he's got to uh, actually go and destroy first the Ukraine military. So they're going to be targeted first wherever they are. Uh, the indirect fire, air uh, assets, missiles, whatever it takes, I think that's going to be first and foremost. So he'll perhaps bypass Kiev and, and other large built-ups based on you know military operations that I've seen them do in the past, what they've done in Syria, for example. But he'll look to clearly destroy the Ukraine military. And I think from his perspective, once they cave, then he doesn't necessarily think that the civilians are going to have to put up any kind of a fight. So the targets are going to be anybody in a Ukraine uniform, anybody carrying a weapon. Um, and, and likely, I, I think that's what he'll do. Now, again, he doesn't want to destroy a lot of it. I do think that he wants Ukraine for the country. He wants the resources that exist there. Russia is a dying country on some level. And so he wants to advance uh, Russian interests. And in that case, it means taking land that exists currently where Ukraine is. Talking to Mike Lyons, Major U.S. Army, retired. Uh, the the idea of the resources everyone gets you would you would take the resources of of a nation, but that's not the purpose of the invasion, right? The the purpose of the invasion is is, is much more emotional than that. I think from his perspective, he looks at, uh, you know, going back to he wants to do 1997, let's say, where we didn't have the same countries in NATO. You know, we made a mistake by putting some of those countries in that don't really have the the kind of um, either economic or defensive resources to either defend themselves. Um, and I think that was a it was a bad move, and I think that he wants to you know get back to some level. Maybe that's where the deal comes. I mean, we're not going to throw we're not going to throw countries out of NATO. But the bottom line is, you, there's Ukraine will never be in NATO because it has to be 100 percent agreement by all uh, charter and, and uh, members, and neither Turkey would support that. Germany wouldn't support it. Other countries there wouldn't do it. So um, the question is, you know, again, what, what is he going to take from this? Look at Latvia, Estonia. There's there's gas resources up to the north that uh, he might want to try to get back. Maybe he can do a treaty out of this. Maybe he gets a deal. Maybe he looks like victory by doing that. But he's ready to do both, and I think he's going to try to play the long game. Maybe not this week, but I think he's going to still try to play the long game the next couple of weeks. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired U.S. military. You bring up Latvia, you bring up Estonia. So these are the Baltics. You're much further north, right, uh, crossing uh, the, the, the sea there, and there would be Finland and Sweden. Then you have Poland, which is bordered by Belarus and also bordered by Ukraine. You talk about the idea of refugees pouring into Poland. What Poland has said, they're getting a few thousand troops from the United States. Poland has said they would welcome Americans who were escaping Ukraine, trying to get out of Kiev if they haven't already. There's been no conversation that I have seen that discusses Poland saying, yes, we welcome all of these refugees because Poland has been in the refugee conversation regarding Europe, not one of these people who's been open arms as opposed to, let's say, a Germany. So Poland, the idea of Poland accepting refugees would lead to a question of how many types of refugees would Russia let loose via Belarus to bother Poland? What is it that you could be expecting here? 
Yeah, I, I, so so Poland has become, from my perspective, and I think from a lot of, of analysts' perspective, you know, a better NATO ally than Germany has become, especially since they got into NATO. And I, and I think they look at it as they're not they're going to be forced. They, they're, there's no other way that they can do this. They don't want the violence on their border. They're going to do what they can. Um, and and I'm not sure whether Putin would so blatantly do that. I I just think people are going to look to to find the path of least resistance and do this themselves. But for him to organize something to throw at Poland like this, you know, that's some uh, another dimension that I, I'm not sure that he's you know kind of in his in his um, eyesight right now, just based on the, the immediate problem he has in Ukraine. Plus, in Crimea and the southern part, um, in, in those other uh, southern cities along the Black Sea, which he wants for his submarine and his naval assets that exist there as well. But I, I, I got to take a step back. You've got the possibility of these refugees streaming into Poland. I would argue that they won't just be Ukrainian refugees. Has Poland said, yes, we will take them? And are Ukrainian refugees ready to now live their lives as Poles? Or are they going to look for some area to make their own? When, I mean, it, it's, it is true. It does happen. Some places you get a, a wonderful melding. But not everyone is certainly like the United States, and not everybody wants to meld. So what is it that can be expected from that uh, flow of people, how many people are expecting as you're hearing it, and exactly how bad can it get? Yeah, no, I, I have heard, I've seen plans that are expecting in the seven figures, millions of people could potentially cross that border. It just Even if they're looking for a safe haven while the combat is going on, perhaps they'll return. The question is, you know, they'll set up sites, you know, along the border there. You're right, Poland hasn't necessarily welcomed them. They're not, they're not opening their country for this. They don't want it to happen, but they also can't stop it if there's you know, they're not going to line up people at the border and, and, and shoot civilians either. Uh, so I, I think that um, that's, again, why you're seeing U.S. troops go there to help with either those evacuations, set up some of these facilities there. problem is it's the middle of winter. It's going to be going to be cold. It's going to be a big challenge. It's not like it's the Middle East where you can, you know, can quickly and, and, and easily set up uh, those kinds of areas where people can you know, kind of camp out for a while. This is a completely different situation. Now let's talk about the United States. You heard Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor there. You've heard this conversation uh, that the U.S. is uh, prepared and uh, we're we're gearing up for, for whatever may come. Talk to me about what you think the United States is actually geared up for, because certainly if, if the conversation is deterrence or desperation, I would argue that this is a look of desperation because Russia is not deterred. Right. I, I think we've got to do a couple of things. First of all, we'll turn on whatever sanctions that we claim that we're going to do. We'll go after Putin, oligarchs. We'll go after his inner circle in, in a way we haven't gone after before. We'll try to persuade the Germans um, in, in order to get their energy from others. We'll, we'll try to isolate Russia as best as possible. But the other, other thing we could possibly do then is try to help the Ukraine military if it doesn't get destroyed. If there's any kind of people that are going to stay and fight – um, we've got um, ground surveillance, recon. We've got other capabilities, satellites. We've got ways to get them intel and, and help them out uh, with information. We've got to continue to try to do that, keep those those channels open. Um, there are going to be Americans that are going to be in Ukraine that are going to that are going to likely stay back and try to 
uh, work um, with any kind of resistance forces. So that that'll happen in that country because we can easily kind of you know hide in plain sight, let's say there, as we could in some other countries. So I think from that perspective, you'll see the military try to turn on some kind of counterinsurgency um, operation that to help Ukraine as best as we can. You're making the argument that the United States is going to be proactive in Ukraine. Uh, yes, I am. I think I think once we find that they do this, I think you're, the, there's those in the military that are going to want to do that. They're going to want to have those resources. So will the intelligence community. We're going to do what we can to help Ukraine both in the fight, and then we'll, we'll you know, obviously do what we can Russia when it comes for the sanctions that we'll put on there. I don't think we're just going to close the door to this. I think we're going to we're going to try to become an irritant. We're do, we'll do what Russia did in Afghanistan. We'll do what other countries. We've got to try to do something in order to make it more difficult on the Russians, and I think it just extends beyond just the sanctions. So, so understanding it, it's not that you will see U.S. troops uh, go toe-to-toe with Russian troops. U.S. troops will help Ukrainian troops who will go toe-to-toe with Russian troops. Yes, I think that, plus provide intelligence, provide information, provide uh, anything we can to help them in the fight. Um, you know, the, there's obviously n- no way at this point to get any more, you know, combat material there to the battlefield. Uh, but, but, but we'll likely do, you know, again, what we can to help them in their fight against Russia. Tell, tell, tell where the units are, tell them where they're coming from. I, you know, I've got to think right now, what's, what's in the mind of both uh, a Ukraine soldier that's got to be on high alert right now, watching across that border, but at the same time, what's in the mind of a Russian soldier on the other side? Who knows if they've been given the order to go yet? Who knows if, they, if they've been told to stand down? There's a, there's a lot of you know, anticipation that's taking place on both sides. I think once we get through the initial battle, if it happens, uh, then we, sh- we try to set up something where we can still help the Ukraine military if, if they survive the initial shock of, of what's going to happen. You know, one of the questions has come up about uh, Germany. You brought it up just a little bit uh, earlier, and I, I agree with you, and I think that the United States would be well and good to rethink uh, its its alliances in, in Europe and maybe rethink where those real European powers and, and, and valuable friends are. Uh, Germany has been extremely silenced because they benefit from the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, and they just don't want to get uh, in, in involved. And I've asked the question, if the Germans don't care, why... Do we? Now, we have friends, we have relationships, and certainly you're better off with a less uh, less strong Russia. But let's get into the nitty-gritty of this. Mm-hmm. This seems to be Europe's issue. And Europe doesn't, except for the UK, doesn't seem to aggressively be caring too much about the issue, at least in, in, in terms of how we report this news. Maybe more is happening on the ground than I realize. But why is why should this be our fight and it's not Germany's? Well, I, I, I don't think it's going to be our fight, let's say, and on the ground, uh, you know, troops on the ground there. But, no, you're right. It should be. It should be. You know, Germany has gone in 80 years from the Wehrmacht being one of the most uh, successful on, on some level and, and the, the mightiest military in the history of the world to where they are now, where they can't you know, deploy a tank battalion any place in the world in, in order to get it out of the motor pool because it's not paying its bills on the, on the defense side. Um, at least France now has shifted back towards nuclear energy, so they've recognized this as a risk. The Germans, they just haven't woken up to it yet. It surprises me. It usually is something that would have happened by now. But for whatever reason, um, the pendulum has swung back to Germany to the side of, um, you know, they're okay with what's happening in Russia. They're still okay with buying 
um, buying fuel for them, and they're, and they're okay with letting the United States support it. So, you know, what, what's NATO going to do to Germany? I'm not sure. I think, you know, that's a tough conversation. Donald Trump tried to have it, and he got mocked by the media for it when he tried to have it with Angela Merkel. And I, there's a story about him giving her a white flag, because that's exactly wouldn't surprise me if that was the case, because um, very, for whatever reason, the Germans have you know, completely surrendered to, to, to Russia and to what their whims are. Major Mike Lyons, retired U.S. Army. Uh, find him on Twitter, M-A-J, for Major Major Mike Lyons, L-Y-O-N-S, on the Twitter box, M-A-J, Mike Lyons. Sir, always a pleasure. We'll keep updated with you. More to get to. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. Avocados. We hardly knew ye. Of course, the Super Bowl, they advertise avocados. Oh, they love advertising avocados from Mexico. One of their biggest days of the year are the people who make guacamole. I love guacamole. That's a, a true story. But now we have learned that the U.S. government has suspended all imports of Mexican avocados because a plant safety inspector from the U.S. in Mexico got a threat on their official phone. So avocados have become part of where the drug cartel turf battles are. And there's extortion of avocado growers. So until further notice, we've suspended all imports of Mexican avocados. So you've got a a guy who's doing inspections and gets a threatening message on his official cell phone. Well, that's it. That's the story. And there have been people who have been killed about this. First, we, we grow our own avocados. We should be eating American avocados. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm down with this. Second, are we not going to notice that the cartel thing is completely out of control? Are we not going to notice that Mexico is not okay? That Mexico is lawless? That Mexico is out of control? Don't tell me, what, is that rude to say? It's factual. It's been factual for years. That whatever the rich tapestry Mexico has to offer, in the end, it's also a place that is not governed, that gets more and more dangerous by the day. This is what we know. This is where we're at. So let's just say so. If it means no avocados from Mexico, fine. Let's grow more avocados here. Or maybe Mexico should do something about its crime problem, about its drug problem, about its cartel problem. Maybe the Mexican citizens have to stand up and say enough. I don't believe that the United States can solve all problems for all nations. But just like we're seeing in El Salvador, they realize the reason people leave El Salvador is that they don't have the jobs. They haven't done enough. And now they want to do more. Come on, Mexico. Let's go to work. Hillary Clinton lied. And Hillary Clinton spied. These are the facts. I've got that story coming up. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. Washington, D.C. putting an end to masks. Restaurants and bars, sports and entertainment venues, gyms and businesses. 
But schools and libraries still need them. So the translation is, hey, adults, you're cool, but kids, we will torture the living crap out of you. You can't do nothing about it. The hatred of children, the attacks on children, adults wanting kids to suffer so they feel good about themselves. This is... This is the ugliest stuff. And I've seen people arguing this. And on social media, and I've been included in in some of those arguments. If you think kids need to be wearing masks, you don't know anything about science. You don't know anything about science at all. I'm laughing directly in your face. No mask, by the way. When I laugh, I laugh maskless. That that's that's how uh, we do it. I actually had this conversation on on Fox over over the weekend, and uh, it was me and this uh, this Democrat by by the name of Brad Woodhouse. Now, Woodhouse, it, it's it's interesting. He's been a Democratic operative for a bajillion years, and I actually know, and it's been it's been a long time. I know his his brother. His brother is a guy by the name of Dallas Woodhouse. Uh, and Dallas Woodhouse is on the political right. Brad Woodhouse is way on the political left. They're brothers. It's nuts. There is a amazing video. They were both on C-SPAN debating something, and at one moment their mom calls in to yell at them. It's... It's 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 amazing. It's heart wrenching. You're like, oh my gosh, oh brutal. But Brad Woodhouse has not learned anything, anything, anything at all when it comes to talking points. When it comes to recognizing that your own party indeed has failed on on economics and on COVID and a series of things. And the conversation came up on Fox. It was Mike Emanuel uh, reporting about uh, masks. Dropping mask mandates because polling suggests their constituents have absolutely had it. Well, look, I think everyone has absolutely had it. You don't need to be in a blue state or a red state. I think people have have absolutely had it. I mean, look, uh, I think you all know. That, I mean, the CDC guidance they think this is a little uh, this a little too soon that we're you know cold weather is still uh, persisting. People are in inside, but the fact that governors in states red and blue feel like that they can begin to, to end these mandates is a testament to what the Biden administration has done to give them the tools to get beyond the pandemic. Vaccines, tests, uh, and uh, and masks, free masks, free tests, and free vaccines. And I think that that is what is going to get us uh, past this pandemic. If more people would take them up, we need the unvaccinated to get vaccinated. Tony, is it- now I, I I will tell you that I did not make a comment to the idea of free. Nothing's free. We paid for it. There are no free masks. We paid for it. There are no free vaccines. We paid for it. And the masks came from freaking China. The tests came from China. Meanwhile, a mask might take. About the science or about fear their constituents may throw them out of office? It's all about fear. None of it is about science. The idea of keeping kids in masks was never really about science. You just said vaccines work. Masks off. 
are not uh, 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 about science. No, no, no. This is a conversation about masks. You want to talk about, I brought masks. You want to bring up vaccines? I do believe the vaccine works, but I'm talking about vaccines in adults. I think it's very rational for people to say, I'm not vaccinating my kid because I want to see some results. And to have the administration or others call them bad people is, of course, wrong and, and duplicitous. It's ugly as sin. What's most important here, when you see these governors in these Democratic states maneuver about getting rid of mask mandates, it proves that Ron DeSantis was right. And look at the political response. Ron DeSantis is a stone-cold killer, but somehow uh, the governor of Connecticut's just a good, decent guy doing what's best. It's hilarious. Brad, I can't believe you bring up Ron DeSantis. Of course you can't believe I bring up Ron DeSantis. He was right. You called him a murderer, and he was right. The kids there are fine, in no worse shape than the rest of the country, and they haven't had to wear masks like somehow they're terrible animals. And here in D.C., I shouldn't say here in D.C., they're in D.C., they're going to take the masks off, but only the adults. Of course it's political. Take it off the people who vote. I get you now. Now we got it all together. I'll have more on this coming up. Let's dig into Hillary Clinton and the people who support her, who support this liar, who support this fraud, who support this lowlife. Oh, my. Do I have words. Lots and lots of words for the despicable and the disgusting Hillary Clinton. Because Hillary Clinton and the Democrats spied on Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton and the Democrats spied on the citizen and then spied on the president. And the Durham investigation is showing this. So John Durham is, of course, the special counsel that was appointed by then Attorney General Bill Barr to look into the origin story. The origins of what took place regarding the Russia investigation. Remember, the, 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 the Mueller report was about whether or not Trump colluded with the Russians, and the answer was no. Making the argument that I, I didn't feel the need to, uh, to uh, declare anybody guilty, that's, that's meaning that no one's guilty. But instead they say, I didn't declare anybody guilty, but that doesn't mean that nobody was guilty. No, no, that's exactly what it means. Because you would have done it. You would have made the statement very, very clear. Guilt, guilt, guilt. The special counsel has been a disappointment for a great number of people. Because the special counsel hasn't done anything. It's been investigation and investigation and investigation. And you only have one person who was charged, this Michael Sussman, who was a Clinton campaign lawyer. And then you have another person who was charged and, and pled uh, guilty. I think this was just a general uh, charge of, of, of lying, I believe it was. Kleinsmith was the name of, of the dude, Kleinsmith. Well, this from, from uh, Durham is different. This according to John Durham, is that Sussman allegedly told the FBI he wasn't working for the Clinton campaign when he handed the agency documents that linked Trump to a Kremlin-tied bank two months before the 2016 election. Well, what is now being discussed is that the Clinton team had worked with a tech executive, a guy by the name of Rodney Jaffe, and what they had done is started to surveil Trump 
and be be getting his internet searches, emails, etc. at Trump Tower and then while he was president. And what they were trying to put together as something we discuss very, very often, narrative. What they were trying to put together was to see if there was a way to create a narrative that showed that Trump was indeed guilty of working with the Russians. Could they create something? Could they invent something that would show this? That's what it is they were doing. And the, the, uh, the, the first parts of this, the first parts of, of this revealing of, of, of the charge, if you will, uh, that's what I'm going to call it. That's, that's the terminology uh, I, I'm using. This new federal filing, that's probably the better way to put it, states clearly that Hillary's campaign paid an internet company to infiltrate servers at Trump Tower and the White House. Now, who is this guy, Jaffe? I'm so glad that, that you asked me who this guy, Rodney Jaffe, is. He is the person in the indictment referred to as tech executive number one. That happens a lot in these kinds of indictments. They don't name the people, but they name uh, certain levels of like like generalities. So so like Internet Company One, let's say there are four Internet companies that were involved. Internet Company One, Internet Company Two, Internet Company Three. This is tech executive number one, Rodney Jaffe. His history is pretty impressive. Senior Vice President, Security Chief Technology Officer at Newstar, which is in Reston, uh, Virginia, provides various internet-related services and products to more than 8,000 commercial and government clients around the world. He founded Ultra DNS Corp., a cloud-based company to develop and market the domain name services that translate numerical internet addresses into basically your domain name. He was also the chief uh, technology officer at something called Genuity. First company to offer computer hosting services to allow people and companies to create and maintain websites without running their own servers. He's got a history. Became one of the first civilians to be awarded the FBI Director's Award for Cybersecurity. This guy has a history of knowing what to do. This guy has a history of working in this world and being highly Highly connected. And this is the guy who has a connection to Michael Sussman, who was the lawyer for the Clinton campaign. Hillary Clinton will do anything to win and is thinking in a way you never thought possible. I want to make sure this is understood. The reason this is all so confusing and the reason you can't believe that this is even possible is because you are not a low-rent duplicitous jerk. You are not not such a power-hungry heathen that you would think about ways to destroy your political enemies. And you have been lulled into the falsest sense of security that most people are normal and don't engage in this kind of craziness. Hillary Clinton's not normal. 
She is a radical, despicable, deplorable, low-life political animal. And any woman who looks up to her doesn't even understand what a woman is to look up to. You let your daughters grow up to be Hillary Clinton? My God, how much do you hate your daughters? She's trash. Don't you get it? The, 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 what's out of the bag? Is there a cat out of the bag? Something is out of the bag, and and we now know what it is because there was a bag, and now there's nothing in the bag because the thing is out of the bag. That's Hillary. It's over. It's been over for for a good number of years. There are people out there who hate Donald Trump. Uh, Live your life, man. You hate Donald Trump, you hate Donald Trump, you go right ahead. I'm not going to tell you no. You think Donald Trump was the worst president ever? You believe what you want to believe. I think history will show a much different conversation. But you're going to tell me that Hillary Clinton is the smartest woman in America? You don't know anything about smarts. You're going to tell me Hillary Clinton is the most capable woman of being president of the United States? You don't know anything about being president. This is Hillary. It doesn't matter what you think about Trump. Are you okay with this? And when you say to yourself, anything to keep Trump out of office because that man's a threat to democracy, she is spying on private citizens. Never mind the president of the United States. And you're like, well, it was Trump, so it's okay. Thank you for letting us know that you've given up the ghost on being a citizen and on being decent. We will dismiss you now because you deserve to be dismissed. That's what you got to say to people. People willing to look the other way on this are some of the most despicable, low-rent people out there. And I'm not just talking about CNN, where no one's even talking about this. No one's, you heard me talk about avocados, right? Oh, they got the avocado story right there. Right there. Where is the story? I got Whoopi Goldberg back on on, on the view. I've got a horrible story about a stabbing in in Albuquerque. 11 people were wounded in in this stabbing. I've, I've, uh, I've I've got, oh, they, they got an attack on Fox. They don't have this. They don't have this from the Durham investigation. They don't have what should be the biggest story. It's not there. It doesn't exist. Because covering is the business, not news. Not news. MSNBC has a story about Alexander Vindman who was the colonel who spoke out about Donald Trump and I don't know, they're still trying to make him into some kind of hero. It's it's ridiculous. They've got something about the Super Bowl halftime show. They've got a story about Sarah Palin suing the New York Times. Nothing about this. Why do people not trust media or establishment media? Because you can't be trusted. Because you don't know how to cover a story. You're as bad as Hillary. And that's why radio probably does so well. And that's why new media continues to grow. Hillary Clinton is worse than you thought. Worse than you thought possible. She's working on a much different level, guys. About time you understood it.
Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So Major League Baseball, I mean, well, now the NFL's over, the Rams defeating the Bengals 23-20. I'll talk more about it in a little bit. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Instagram, Tony Katz. You should go and be a part of those things immediately, if not sooner. Instagram, Tony Katz. Do it now. Uh, Major League Baseball is delaying spring training. Because they don't have a they don't have a contract. The labor talks are still going on. Um, there's been a labor stoppage. It's the expiration of the five year deal. So no training camps. No one is uh, reporting. I don't know what this is going to mean. It's just that because the season has been going on, they've been locked out for seventy three days. It's the second longest work stoppage in baseball history. I I don't know. I don't know I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know how this is going to to play out. I don't know. Eventually they play. There's just too much money out there. Somebody's going to fold, somebody's going to crack, someone's going to write a check, someone's going to take less of a check. That's what's going to happen. All right? See, this is just, to me, another reason to bring about uh, summer football. We need another league. I personally can live without baseball. I don't know about you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Follow me there.